So welcome once again to Amazing Love. Thank you for being here. Uh, would you pray with me? Let's ask God to bless the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, if we would see you rightly, we would say what Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Can we not leave? <laughs> Can we make a tent? Can we just stay here for a while? Lord, the beauty of heaven is meeting you. You are the author of every good thing. You are the epicenter of it. And so, Lord, as we meet with you, bless us. Bless the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've been asked why I want to become a pastor many times. And there are a lot of good answers to this question, why to be a pastor. One good answer is this. There is no one greater than our God. Would you agree? There's no greater hope than what he offers. There's no greater love that can be given, whether by mom, a fiancé, a spouse. And there's no greater peace than walking with him through the hills and the valleys of life. Another good answer is this. I like when my life is revolved around the church and around the word. Because you might know that though church people aren't perfect people, they're some of the best people out there. Love seeing you guys, every one of you. And it's so great when our family can revolve and hear that word. We can go to youth group, we can uh, have Bible study, we can have group at our house, and everything has opportunity then to hear about Jesus. But that's not my favorite answer for why I want to be a pastor. My favorite answer is simple math. Now, raise your hand if you like math. Who there is a math person? Yeah, okay, some of you like hate math. You're the antithesis. But for my math people, do you remember this sign, the greater or equal sign? I'm trying to make it as good as I can. And the simple math equation that I've come upon that motivates me is this. 80 years versus eternity. Which is greater and less than? And by how much? Or then I use division. And I try dividing 80 years, let's just say, into 10,000 years. Do you know how many times 80 years goes into 10,000 years? 125 times. So when the author of Amazing Grace sings that we're going to be there in our 10,000th year and still have more time to sing God's praise, that's a lot of times. In fact, what helps me is visualizing it. So I brought my rope here today. This rope is 100 feet long. It's extending to the back of the sanctuary with a lot of rope to spare. If this rope is the equivalent of 10,000 years, and if I did my math correctly, which I double and triple checked, I think I did, if this rope is 10,000 years, this little black part is 83. This is 83 years, and you you can look at how far it goes out. 
This is 83 years. And so right here, if I pinch is your childhood and adolescence, maybe I can pinch a little bit more for your career. And then at the very end, I don't even know if we're going to get there, but that retirement, like, I don't even, I can't pinch that little, right? And it's interesting as I consider, you know, my life right now, 2012 or 2022, excuse me. Do you wish it was 2012? Is that a Freudian slip? Maybe. Anyway, uh, will I even remember this year? What will I remember about this year? In fact, what will be known, remembered, and matter if this is the case? The reason I think this way is because a psalmist named Moses said we should think this way. In Psalm chapter 90, he said this, Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In that same psalm, he said that we might live 70 or 80 years. In that same psalm, he compared us to the grass that is up one day and gone the next. And some of you have mowed the lawn this year. Do you remember the, the grass blades from May? Anyone like keep them and look at them like, oh, that was a great grass blade? Probably not. That's you and me. That's our lives in view of eternity. And so what we learn is that we are what the Bible says. We are a vapor. We are a mist. We are a shadow. We're just not here long. And so because of that, what will be remembered and what will matter? Now, to chase after that truth, I want you to do something with me. I want you to imagine you're at the end of this rope and you're at your 10,000th year in eternity. Now, by the way, if you're new to Christ, what I love to share with you is that eternity is a gift through Jesus Christ. It's not about good and bad people. It's simply about people who are faith-filled, who have clung to Jesus Christ and have faith in him. So let's say we're in the 10,000th year of eternity. You have just lived 125 lifetimes, and you are reflecting on how you use this. What will you remember? Will you remember what you ate for lunch today? Probably not. Will you remember if the bears were good in 2022? Will you remember what the fashion was, how much was in your bank account? Will you remember all of your neighbors and all of your coworkers and all of your acquaintances? What will you remember? Probably a better question. What's going to matter? Will it matter if the bears move from Soldier Field to Arlington Heights? Will it matter who the next governor, the next president is? Will it matter the inflation rate of 2022? Will it? When I do this exercise, um, I don't know if I'll remember my Priuses, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they won't matter. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it won't matter what house I lived in and what the wall colors looked like, what the paint colors were. I'm pretty sure it's not going to matter that I was on The prices Right and I want a bedroom set and I'm pretty famous. Like, I think that'll fade away by then. But, but what I do think will matter, these moments. What I do think will matter, loving people because Jesus loves them. In fact, when I boil everything else down, when we reflect on our lives, it is our connection to the Lord and the other people's connection to the Lord that will truly matter. That I spent my time going on this beautiful journey to search out just how long and wide, how deep and high is the love of Christ. It'll matter that the people around me could see Jesus in me and maybe heard it from me. 
that's going to matter because we're on a mission. It's going to matter that I supported my local church wherever that happened to be as it carries out the Great Commission, as we share the gospel together as a team. That's going to matter. In fact, this is the first takeaway. Numbering our days in light of eternity helps you hone in on what truly matters. And that's what I want to talk to you about. And so we get to conclude our series, Pleasantville. And I hope you've enjoyed it. And we've talked a lot about the good life. We've talked about how to have fun. We talked about what do we want for our kids. We talked about our work and our relationships. And now we get to talk about opportunity. The time of grace God has given us. And what do we want to do with that? So leading us in the discussion is a man named Paul. And i uh, give you a little bit of context of this uh, book. Uh, he is uh, writing from prison, so he's in chains. And, and there's nothing like viewing the end of your life to put everything else in perspective. I don't know if anyone would relate to that. Maybe you had something, a health concern. Uh, maybe you're getting to the end of your life. There's nothing like the end of life that puts everything else in perspective. And, and as Paul is writing about what really matters, here are the words that he shares to, to the Christians in Colossae and to us. So feel free to follow along, worship folder on the screen. So it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. These are the great words we get to dig into today. Uh, could you say out louder to your neighbor, don't waste it? Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Time is the most precious commodity, and we just don't have a lot of it. Let's discuss. Anyone know Will Rogers? Will Rogers. I had to do a little bit of research. I'm sorry I didn't grow up in the era of Will Rogers. Uh, some of you might remember him. He's from the 1920s, 1935. And uh, a famous actor, you know, um, famous influencer of his time. And Will Rogers was known for saying this, that America is a land of opportunity. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. A land of opportunity. Maybe you've heard that about the United States. Now, I think that idea is kind of birthed out of the Declaration of Independence. And you might know a very famous line that we're all created equal, given unalienable rights, um, and that is the pursuit of happiness. And, and so there is birth the American dream. And the American dream is this idea that it doesn't matter your background, your race, it doesn't matter uh, what your parents did, that if you work hard enough, because of this land of opportunity, you can make it and you, you can succeed. Now, whether or not you believe the American dream is still alive or dead is another thing, um, but that is kind of the land of opportunity we discuss. Now, many others have looked at America as this land of opportunity. I don't know if you've ever done research of those trying to come to America. So uh, just some research. In the past two years, 3.6 million people have tried to enter America just through the southern border. 3.6 million are looking at, wow, there's some opportunity there. When you look at legal immigration, the United States hovers around one million people that legally immigrate to this country uh, thinking, man, there's opportunity there. When it comes to our own lives, uh, maybe there are some who have immigrated here, welcome. Uh, maybe there are some who have visited other countries 
And you come back from that country and you're like, man, I know America's not perfect, but we got some opportunity. But my question is this. In view of eternity, opportunity for what? To get a bigger house? To have more in the bank? To eat a little bit better food? Opportunity for what? And Paul, with a good view, the view of eternity, says, I know the opportunity. He said, Christians, could you pray with me about this? Because Paul said this. He said, and pray for us. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul looks at everything, all the opportunities, and he's not just about the more. He's about an avenue for the gospel. That there would be a way for the gospel to be spread. Wherever Paul is, wherever the church is, that God would open doors for that. And I'm compelled by his vision. In fact, our first takeaway then from this, that the greatest opportunities we have are knowing and sharing Jesus. I remember learning from an immigrant who came to this country. About 10 years ago, um, there was a conference, and he was talking about why he moved from Australia to the United States. He came here to work, live, and pastor. And part of the reason he chose here is he believed that this is still the epicenter of God's activity in the world. He believed that the opportunity to share the gospel was ripe right here. But this was about 10 years ago, and even 10 years ago, he said that American's church, uh, the, the, the state of things, is kind of like a sleeping giant. Yes, there are a lot who profess Jesus, but man, are they sleeping. And so he wrote this book compelled by this passage from Habakkuk. And in Habakkuk, it says, Lord, I've heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day, in our time make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And so he called upon the Lord who splits the Red Sea and raises the dead. He called upon the Lord who has the gospel cloud, which Luther referred to. This gospel cloud that stays in one place and then moves to another place. And he said, Lord, let's have that gospel here. Create revival among us. That the gospel might be retained in us. And even though I don't know what God will do, I share the same dream, do you? That God would do his greatest work in us, in this lifetime, right now. I have this dream that as the world gets darker, and it is, the gospel would shine brighter, and it can. I have this dream that amazing love would be the representation of the goodness of God. That anyone who is hurt or lost would find help and healing in this place. I have this dream that we would be the people who love so radically, who live lives so meaningful, that people are like, why are you glowing, dude? Because we're shining in a different way than the rest of the world. I have this dream that the gospel would be so clear here that you couldn't walk away even one Sunday without knowing why Jesus and his love are so amazing. Can revival start in us? Can revival be in this place? But it's not going to happen if we're asleep. 
It's not going to happen if we live in the moment. It's not going to happen if we're planning for our best life to be part of this black portion instead of our best life to be part of this that goes on and on and on. It's not going to happen if we're not prayerful. It's not going to happen if we're not watchful. It's not going to happen if we adopt the world's mentality of instant gratification and doing whatever feels good in the moment, even if it leads into sin. And friends, we got some work to do. We're not there yet, even though God is refining us. How often have we sinned against the Lord, just wanting to feel good in the moment? How often have we missed opportunities to know the Lord and share the Lord? So get a greater vision by Jesus. I was thinking this past week, what if Jesus only lived for the moment? If Jesus lived for the moment, which moments would he would have wanted to miss? I don't think he would have wanted his, his birth. I don't think he would have chosen Christmas, right? You have the almighty creator who ordained the days of Mary, who now needs to be nursed and changed by his creation. That's crazy. I don't think he would have chosen the Garden of Gethsemane, where the stress levels were so high, we can't even relate to it. The stress levels were so high, he was sweating drops of blood. I don't think he would have chosen the cross. And this moment where the God who is in fellowship with the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Father, the Father turned his face away and Jesus, in a way unlike any other time, was alone as he bore sin's curse. If Jesus lived in the moment, would he have come down? But Jesus had the big picture in mind. Jesus knew that even 33 years on earth, for the God who a thousand years are like a day just gone by or like a watch in the night. It was just a blip. 33 years, they're a blip. Jesus' big picture didn't just have his cross and his suffering. It had his resurrection and ascension and eternal life. Jesus' big picture had you in mind. He wanted you to be part of the story and that's why the world is still spinning so that you could be in it. Jesus has redeemed us by his blood. And we are rescued. We are rescued from this life and we are meant for another. But in the meantime, he's going to be with us to grant peace and strength. I love our Lord and his big picture thinking. But I'm compelled to be a big picture thinker as well. And so Paul says to each one of us today, in light of the big picture, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. We have great opportunities. And so I want to explore three ways. Three ways that we can make the most of every opportunity. Now the first has to do with our words. And to talk about it, I brought yet another illustration. You guys know what this is? You guys changed one of these. This is your friendly service announcement as we move from uh, cool to heat. The heater's coming, Right? good to do one of these. And, and as the air blows through the furnace, what does it pick up? It picks up hopefully the allergens, hopefully the pollen, hopefully the dust, so that when we're breathing, we're breathing the clean air, right? We're, we're breathing the filtered air, right? When it comes to our words, which is air from our mouths, God says, you don't want to be wise about that, that air from your mouth? 
Filter it. (laughs) Not everything in your head needs to be said. Right? If you are known for talking, I have a warning for you. You're on dangerous ground. In fact, one of the Proverbs that has always stuck with me is this. When words are many, sin never stops. But a person who restrains his lips acts wisely. Words are so important. Words gain an audience. Words lose an audience. Can we be real? How many Christians lost an audience for the gospel because of their words recently? And isn't that a shame? When we don't filter our words, when we just blab our opinions, when we blab strongly on things that we know are divisive, we lose an audience for the gospel, and that's a shame. I don't want to waste words on something that is less than, something that is momentary. I want to make sure that whatever we're saying gains an audience by that perspective, gains an audience because they hear kindness, gains an audience because they hear maturity, because they hear wisdom, because they hear the voice of reason, because it's a voice of understanding, because it's a voice of empathy. Those are all things that only happen through a filter. Your sinful nature needs a filter. And so the first thing we do is choose words carefully, carefully. At Amazing Love, we make this commitment. I don't want to lose an audience based on the less than. And so when it comes to politics, welcome Democrat, welcome Republican. We love you both. There is a king of kings and lord of lords. He's still reigning, so I'm fine. When it came how to handle COVID, welcome everyone. I'm fine. God ordained your days. You have wisdom to work that thing out. When it comes to socioeconomic things, when it comes to Cubs or Sox, now I'm trying to build a bridge there. No one's really on board with that. Um, I'm not from Chicago, but I'm trying, guys. Let's not lose an audience for the less than. Let's be cognizant. Let's be wise. Let's be empathetic. Let's be people of understanding so that when we talk about Jesus, their ears are perked. And they're saying, man, Never heard that before. That's what Paul invited us to do. He said, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. When it says full of grace, that word is kindness. That yes, there is good and bad in the world. There's good and bad in everyone. But which one are you focusing on? Are you going to say words that build up people? Are you going to say words that, that give a good vision of the world, of God's grace in the world? Are you going to say the other words? The words that sound like grumbling and complaining. The words that could very easily lose an audience. And then he says, be seasoned with salt. Now what does that mean? It means that we, different than the world, have a word of truth. A word of truth that is different, that strikes people different. Like there's something to that message. When we are using God's truth, it is then that lives can be changed. And I believe we should take some intentionality to get people to that truth. In our conversation with others, it shouldn't just be small talk. It shouldn't just be about the weather or what happened in sports. It should be an intentional road to talk about Jesus, to share truth. In fact, there's this great book on it. It's called Tactics. Um, And and the author of this intentional speaking said this. He said, I want to put a stone in his shoe, whoever I'm talking to. 
All I want to do is give him something worth thinking about. I want him to hobble away on a nugget of truth that annoys him in a good way. Something he can't simply ignore because it continues to poke at him. That's us. Maybe it's just sharing the rope. Have you thought about that lately? Your life and the perspective of time? Maybe it's the grace of God. Unmerited love, undeserved love for those who think they have to be good. We are people carrying the truth, and that truth sets people free. So number one, use your words carefully. Number two, you can write this down. Make prayer the greatest weapon in your strategic arsenal. Prayer, prayer, prayer. I don't know if you've heard this business mantra. If you fail to plan, you plan to correct. And, and something I love about Pastor Jeff is that he's a planner. He's great. He, he's brought this vision of traction, and, and we're sitting down. We're talking about quarterly plans. We're talking about yearly plans. We're talking about five-year plans. We got, like, infinity plans, I think, in there, too. You know, like, there, there's plans, man. In fact, we share those plans. If you're here on Vision Sunday, you heard from our church president, Brian Potempa, say, hey, here are some of the plans. Here's what we're seeing. Here's what we think God could do. It's pretty awesome. But I also love what was shared in that presentation if you're here on Vision Sunday. What our church president shared also is this passage. In their human hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And you and I both know that it doesn't always go according to plan. You and I both know that we make plans and God in heaven laughs, right? And so what better tool than to all we do apply prayer. Apply prayer that puts us in the right place. Apply prayer that ends with God willing. Apply prayer that says, Lord, I don't see it all, but you do, and so I trust whatever iteration you have for my life and for this thing. We have to pray. You know, I was compelled by a, a bold man who prayed. His name is Joshua. It's an incredible account, so let me just give you some context. Joshua is chosen to lead God's people into the promised land. And Joshua was one of the spies 40 years ago. And so I was just doing some research on his age. Like, I'm thinking he's 60 or 80 as he's, like, going to be the warrior. Can you imagine that? 60 or 80, like, follow me, guys, in crutches. I don't know. And we don't know about Joshua's acumen. We don't know if he's good with a sword, if he's a great strategist. We hear him, you know, be strong and courageous, but we don't know if he is. Like, maybe he was told that because he wasn't. But what we do know is that God was on his side. And when God is on your side, oh boy. Do you remember the walls of Jericho? That was his first battle. They came tumbling down. The next battle, Ai, God was this tactician. God told Joshua the strategy and how to set an ambush. Wouldn't you love God to be your tactician? Oh my goodness. And then Joshua started getting confident in what God could do. And so Joshua is fighting this biggest battle. Five kings, one of the kings of Jerusalem. If you want Jerusalem, the, the epicenter, you got to make sure you win this battle. And as Joshua was thinking about the Lord on his side, he had this audacious prayer in Joshua 10. And in Joshua 10, he said, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Agilon. Now, have you heard about this? Can you imagine scientifically what it would have taken to make the sun stand still? 
Like, is he stopping the world from rotating? And what would that mean for everything else in creation? Is he stopping the sun? I, I have no idea how this works, but I know what happened. For another day, the sun stood still right in the middle at noon. That's incredible. And why? He could have fought at night. It's because he prayed. And then the capstone on this. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. The Lord listens to us. You know why? Because you have a mediator named Jesus Christ. And there is no prayer that goes unanswered. There is no concern that he doesn't hear. And so when we turn to God in prayer, maybe it's when others notice, I have no idea how that worked out for you. Man, you must have something I don't. And we do. You and I have the Lord who fights for us. Choose your words carefully. Use prayer as your most powerful weapon. And now, the last thing, watch out that you don't waste your moments. See, God calls us to be watchful, to be ready, to be alert. That if our lives are so short, and if we don't know when God is coming, we need to be ready at all times. In fact, if you know his end times teaching, his end time teaching gives us warnings aplenty about not being ready. There's this parable about 10 people waiting for a bridegroom to come uh, for this eternal celebration, a picture of heaven. And five of them had enough oil for their lamps, and five of them didn't have enough oil. And what that pictured is five were ready, and they kept the faith in every season, no matter how long, and five didn't keep the faith. They said, it's too long, and when's he coming? And they were wrapped up in everything else, and they missed it. They missed this, that black portion. And then there's this parable of the banquet. And the king sends out his, his servants and he says, invite people in. I got a party going. And that party is heaven. That party is an eternal celebration. And yet what they're saying is what we say all the time between knowing and sharing the Lord. They're saying, no, but I got work. I got the land. It's a harvest. I got romance. I just got married. I got a hobby. I got oxen. got a car. Because of all these reasons, they missed it. Parable of the talent. What did the guy with the one do? He says, oh, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter, right? It's not going to matter. It mattered. It mattered when the Lord showed up. So you and I, let's not waste our moments. Let's get to heaven, that 10,000th year, and stack up these moments where I journeyed with the Lord in the hills and valleys of life. Stack up these relationships where I shared the Lord, sometimes with my words and sometimes not, just how I acted. Your homework for today is this, to seize opportunities for the gospel using words, prayer, and watchfulness this week. Let's not waste our mere moments Let's use them on purpose. God has ordained all your days and given you this time of grace for a reason. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is so easy to forget this. It is so easy for Monday morning to bring us back into the world and, and wrap us in so many less than things. 
Lord, not everything matters, and not everything will be remembered, but you matter. Help us to dedicate our lives to you, to sharing you and knowing you, and give us the power of the Holy Spirit to make that happen. In Jesus' name, amen. And the peace of God which transcends our understanding may it guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hey, at this time we have the opportunity to share our faith. Uh, Today we'll use the words of the Nicene Creed. Uh, Feel free to join with me if you're comfortable. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, Eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets, We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. All right, a few announcements. And as we do that, uh, we will be collecting those uh, blue connection cards. Uh, So feel free to uh, give them to uh, those walking and collecting. Um, With that, uh, our children's choir Uh, I'm so excited when we can expand. That's awesome. Uh, We have a children's choir that's coming up. Uh, The inserts are in your worship folder about it. Um, So feel free, if you have um, a child who'd like to sing praises to Jesus, uh, this is a great opportunity. Uh, Along with that, a musician's meeting October 9th. Um, That is in welcome of our new music coordinator, Courtney Supple. Uh, Some of you know and remember Courtney. Some of you um, don't remember Courtney, but... um, her and, and her husband, they're just amazing. So uh, hold on, guys. Um, our worship is going to another level. It's going to be awesome. Um, but so excited to have them. Uh, so those are just a, a few announcements. Feel free to uh, peruse the others. Uh, we also have Bible class right after this, so feel free to go uh, to our fellowship area. And now we turn our attention towards prayer. In our prayers today, we remember uh, Gene, the father of Courtney Supple. Uh, and after this, we're going to join together in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just love your mercy and your compassion. You're the God of all comfort and the Father of compassion. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be with Gene. Continue to heal so that he may recover, that he might enjoy his time of grace here on earth and know your loving goodness. Lord, we also pray for Joe Robertson, uh, that you would be with him, that you would sustain him during the ups and downs of life, that he would stay close to you, and that he'd have loving neighbors surrounding him throughout his life. We pray this in Jesus' name and now join in the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.